This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 653. Thank you so much for for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure that you check out MarkingOut.com. Listen to us on Spotify and wherever else you may be listening to your podcast. Go buy a t-shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Give us a follow over on TikTok at MarkingOut. Give us a follow on Twitter at MarkingOut. Give us a follow on Instagram at MarkingOut11. Give us a follow on threads at MarkingOut11. Give us a follow on every single social media platform that you can find. Search us, find us, follow, and just live life to the fullest. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Ray. Follow me, David PTDPT, on all social media platforms. As well, I am here with Brandon BTTG161. Go follow him over on Instagram and Twitter. And also go check out Chris at Chris Sweendog over on Twitter and CM Sweeney85 on Instagram. That being said, Brandon. How are you? Still not awesome as always. <laughs> but uh, I am on stronger medication for the strep gimmick, so... Yeah, you know, those gimmicks, they, they just keep on hanging around sometimes. Yeah. It still sucks that I got it, but whatever. It's it's at least, like, more bearable than it has been. Yeah, your voice sounds a lot better. Uh, I, that's just because it's, like, earlier. Mm-hmm. When it's later at night, it starts to get like the... Yeah. Alright, well, you know, did you do anything this past week? Actually, I went to a restaurant called The Good Life in Massapequa. I thought it was really good. I got a Philly cheesesteak that I think could have been bigger, but it was still good. It had um, poblano peppers on it instead of bell peppers. I don't like peppers on my food. Like, Ever? I don't know. I like this. I like sweet peppers, but once you add peppers where it gets a little bit spicier or hot, I'm not a fan of it. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't enhance the flavors. Like, it's not like a super spicy thing. It's not like, I mean, jalapeno is is yeah. More like jalapeno, I cannot do regular. Okay, regular peppers I could do, but nothing hot. Mm. So it was good. The cheesecake, uh, cheese. Steak? Yeah, and I also got fried pickles that came with the spicy dipping sauce, and then I realized that the pickles were also spicy. <laughs> so I don't think you would have Where liked Where did them. he go? The Good Life. The Good Life. Yeah, and I wish that it came with like a cooling ranch dip instead of the, the spicy, because if you're going to give me a spicy pickle and a spicy dip, I feel like there should be cooling. But those were also good. Yeah, you you need something to complement it. But it was also good. And then I my, my Nana got a chicken pot pie. And their chicken pot pie is more like shepherd's pie where they give you, they have like a, a biscuit on the bottom and the biscuit on the top and like it's it's mashed potato piped in on top. Okay. That was really good. 
I'm always a fan of Shepherd's Pie, so I would definitely be down for that. Yeah, I would highly recommend going to this place. They do free refills, so that's an automatic thumbs up. Hey, we know Brandon and the free refills, you know? <laughs> and the wait staff was friendly, so. Awesome. So the good life, Massapequa. Check it out. Yeah. How about uh, how about yourself? You do anything this week? Uh this week. Um no. This week just what took do you mean, it. No, nice I know for a fact. Didn't you go help? Oh yeah, I went to a concert. Good call. Good call. <laughs> I'm so used to saying no to like not doing anything. But yes, I actually did do something. <laughs> On Friday evening, I actually went to uh, a fish concert. You know any fish MSG. songs? No, just Baby Shark. What? I don't know any other. I don't know any other fish songs. Did you buy any merch? Nope. Nope. Didn't buy any merch. Didn't know any songs. How was it? Uh, <laughs> you know, it was. It was good. It was good. I could see the draw. I understand. It was really actually cool because so the concert started at 8 p.m. sharp and it went until 11:30 ish, and it's interesting because they just come onto there's really it's really a basic stage. Imagine Westbury Music Fair stage, and it's just straight up a stage. Well, because they sell with, tickets behind they have the stage of course, also right. Yeah, they have tickets behind the stage. They have a lot of lighting set, uh, set lights set up. Um, but these guys at 8 p.m., they just come onto the stage, no introduction, no introduction. They just come onto the stage and they just pick up their instruments and start playing. Did they have any of the the gimmicks flying in the air at all or no? No, no gimmicks flying in in the air. In previous concerts, I don't know if it was for their New Year's thing or something. I could swear. I'm almost certain they had like the, uh. What are they called? Drones, I guess. But like, yeah, Railroad Rudy, Railroad Rudy told me, uh. They had those at the New Year's show, I believe. Like the uh, at the museum you went to, that penguin. Yeah, the Museum of the Future had it. That's but incredible. Thank you, Railroad Rudy, <laughs> for sure. Railroad Rudy, shout out. But yeah, the concert was it was good. You know, it was really uh, different variations of songs where some were very very slow and mellow, and then others were more rapid pace. Um, I didn't really know when one song ended and one began because some of them were very long. And then on the other hand, also some songs did become repetitive at some points, but it was still a really enjoyable concert. Um, they only had, they had like a 30 minute intermission, but outside of that 30 minute intermission, they really just jammed out for the entire time. Would you see them again? Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Um, maybe if same circumstances, would you same, same circumstances? <laughs> I would, I would def I would go again, same circumstances, but if it was at a, a different arena where I didn't have a chance to like move around, if I was stuck in a seat, I don't know because I was getting antsy at times and I did have to walk around and move around. Um, there was one point where, um, like me and a few of the people that were that I was there with walked around the entire MSG. Was it just like you around four? The, yeah, it was just us four. Wow. I mean, they, they the suite was packed. Oh, I, so that's what I'm asking. I'm asking. If yeah, was... yeah. The suite was packed, but there were moments where like I had to actually like go walk the a lap around just because I it was I was getting antsy. Did you eat there? No, I didn't eat there. Uh, well, they had pretzels there. 
They had pretzels there. I should have uh, went down to go get food, though. I should have. Um, yeah, Madison Square Garden is known for their uh, chicken sandwich, I believe. The chicken? I would have never thought that. How did you hear me say chicken before I said it? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. It sounded like you reacted before I even said it. No, you said chicken. Yeah, but it sounded like I was like, chick, and you're like, chicken? And like I finished saying sandwich <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. You know, I I would go again, but I think next time I would definitely get more food. Um, at, Like, I would definitely get food there. But for some reason, I just didn't get, I don't know. I was just very antsy at times. I don't know how to pronounce the the place. I think it's Fuku or something. Fuku? Yeah. David yeah. Chang's Fuku. There were so many people tripping out there, though. Well, obviously, it's fish. Yeah, like, it was cr- pretty insane. Like, me and Railroad Rudy were walking around, and there was some guy that was just, like, spinning in circles, like, nonstop. Well, it's nice that he was up Like, from he was Tennessee. walking... Yes, he was up from Tennessee, but this person was, like, spinning in circles, like he was a dreidel, and just getting to from point A to point B, like, he actually had a destination. He was just spinning to get to his destination. It was pretty, pretty crazy. But, yeah. Eccentric. Yes, very eccentric. So is that it? That's it. Well, we had a WWE Premium Live event this past weekend. SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. One of the big four for WWE PLEs. And it kicked off with a video package featuring Kid Rock where he ran down the history of SummerSlam, which I thought was cool. Obviously, Detroit is uh, connected to Kid Rock. I personally would have preferred to have seen Kiss and for had to have had to have I... uh, Kiss play uh, Detroit Rock City. I would have preferred Eminem, but I would have taken Eminem and Kiss over Kid Rock. Well, I thought it was a cool intro video. And we get into the actual event that kicked off with Logan Paul picking up the victory over Ricochet. And I think as expected, they absolutely did deliver in that match. I thought this was this was really well done. Yeah, this this I think that this was the perfect match to start with, especially considering that Logan Paul was leaving like directly after to get to Jake Paul's fight. Which I that's just insane that he was able to do that. Hopped on a private jet, landed in was it Colorado? Where was it? I'm not too sure. Landed somewhere to to see his brother box, which is crazy. But I liked Logan Paul hitting that running power slam to poke fun, poke fun at Braun Strowman. Strowman's out injured. He was partnered with Ricochet, so I think that's a pretty cool nod there. Um, Logan Paul at one point went for a Spanish fly off the apron and they both pretty much basically landed on their feet. That buckshot lariat from the ring to the outside from Logan Paul, I thought was dope. I, I got worried on that because the way that he landed, it could have been an ACL injury. Oh, on the, the C4. Yeah, that one. And even the, the buckshot lariat one to the outside of the ring. Both of those spots, I was like, I loved it. But on the other hand, I was just like, the risk of it, I'm like, ugh. But this match match was awesome. I thought that Logan Paul really 
going at it with Ricochet and Ricochet making Logan Paul look incredible. I was blown away by the Logan Paul split drop. I don't understand that. Why? Like the, he called it the Hogan Paul. Obviously, I understand the uh, the reference and everything, but is that a tribute to Hulk Hogan or a tribute to Naomi? That's funny. Like that's a Naomi move. That's not a Hulk Hogan move. Well, I mean the leg drop. It's just a very. He's just calling it a variation of a I leg mean, it drop. It was a split. Yeah, but it was a, a split. It was like a Naomi split. Would do. Yeah, exactly. It, and then it's definitely a split this, that Naomi would do. Craziest thing that later on that night, CM Punk did. He did the same spot that Logan Paul did, just with a normal leg drop. On collision. I mean, CM Punk's a fan of Logan Paul. I mean, <laughs> evidence. But uh, that spot, that moonsault DDT that Logan Paul hit, the fans went nuts for that. I thought that was cool. And in the end, somebody put brass knuckles on Logan Paul's hand, and Logan used them behind the referee's back. Yeah. I mean, let's also Samantha Irvin oh, yeah, doing fantastic. the – Yeah, doing the – I guess the winning announcement for Logan Paul. And you could tell the, the distaste – in her voice when she said that she was like her lips were quivering she was uh yeah like, i thought that up. that was very, yeah very well I, I thought that this match was very very well done next up you had cody rhodes pick up the victory over brock lesnar to overcome his obstacle of brock lesnar after losing to him what twice right uh um, two times already no he's right they were they were tied Oh, they were tied? Yeah. No. I'm pretty sure they were tied. Were they tied? Yeah, Cody got that that quick victory on Brock. I don't remember the quick victory. Unless I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he's got that quick victory over him. I don't... Backlash. He got the, the, the victory at Backlash. For some reason, it doesn't stand out to me. Well, he got that. Uh, it was Cody, a main event. What do you mean? Ah, oh, man. I don't know. My memory is shot, though. But Cody Rhodes did pick up the victory at this one. Um, and this match was back and forth action. I mean, Brock Lesnar was tossing Cody Rhodes around like a rag doll. But this was weird, though. Like, we, I understand Cody attacks Brock before the bell. Brock quickly turns it around. And they kept doing that 10 count thing. Where he would get like, they would go out to the outside, Cody would just barely make it in, and then they would just like repeat that over and over again to the point where I saw Cody said that they didn't want a stipulation on this match, but it almost seemed like they had that stipulation. Mm -hmm. But Cody, like I said, kept getting back in the ring, and and every now and then Cody would have like a quick fire up spot, but Mm -hmm. Brock controlled most of this match. Cody used the steel steps at one point, and I don't understand how that wasn't a DQ. It was right in front of the referee. That makes no sense. Yeah. I liked that Cody did the Kimura to Brock Lesnar. But Yeah, I, I was a big fan of that, and I like that it he had it locked in for a while, too. Yeah, and then he hit three crossroads to finally to get that victory over Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, according to Triple H, this was unplanned, shook Cody Rhodes' hand and and raised his arms. So the story there, I guess you could say, is that he attacked Cody Rhodes in the first place because he felt Cody needed to earn his respect, and now he finally earned his respect, perhaps? I can see that. 
So, on to the next. We had the Slim Jim Battle Royal, which LA Knight won. They had a video package of past Battle Royals, which I think was a cool way to make this match look special more than just a Battle Royal. Yeah. I was hoping we would get legends to to be in this, like here and there. Uh, like Why? SummerSlam legends. I just thought it'd be a, something cool to have. It's not like a, uh, it's to me, this is like a throwaway match. But WWE. Yeah, that's that's all I saw it was a throwaway, but I wouldn't have thought about adding the legends. What legends cool. would have you added? I mean, just like people who competed at SummerSlam's past. You could, I mean, we know that the powers of pain still work. So <laughs> I feel like they could have been in it. Tatanka could have been in it. I'm not asking for like a lot of past performers, but I feel like they could have had some. It would have made it more special. Who? Who would have you added? Well, I just said Powers of Pain could have been cool. Why SummerSlam? Not Push Nelson? Well, because they've performed at SummerSlam in the past, so it's not like they're not known for SummerSlam, but they're they're just performers for who have wrestled at SummerSlam. Okay. But uh, like I said, with that that video package, I thought made it made it uh, made up for it, perhaps, and made it look special. Yeah. And right before the match began, mm-hmm. MVP came out and brought almost into to the match, which was like eh, I was hoping for somebody like uh, I guess somebody else. No offense to almost here, I just wasn't. I was hoping for somebody bigger. Like not not literally bigger, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought the match itself was decent. I liked Miz and Grayson Waller like forming that little alliance they had and hitting like that double team move. I thought that was cool. The that was a cool move. Yeah, and then it came down to AJ Styles, Sheamus, and LA Knight, and everybody wanted LA Knight to win. It was an amazing thing to hear. Uh, all the, the LA Knight chants and people going along with it. And in the end, obviously, LA Knight won. Yeah. And they had a, a commercial later air for Slim Jim, which apparently they requested both Bianca Belair and LA Knight for. So I think that's also pretty big. Yeah, and it was cool to see him get that victory and also see the reaction of the crowd when he did get that that win. Even before that, when he's hitting the moves, the L.A. Knight, yeah, like everybody's going along with that. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. After this, we saw Shayna Baszler pick up the victory over former friend Ronda Rousey in an MMA styles match, an MMA rules style match. The fans were not into this at all. No, they, and it was, I mean, to me, this was exactly what I expected it to be, though. Yeah. I didn't hate the match. I just, I think it really would have helped out if they had a lion's den, a fight pit, and, like, a special guest referee. Yeah, I'm just surprised that people expected something different from this, no? I don't know. They had the one spot where where Sean Bennett called for medical into the ring for Shayna Baszler, and Ronda Rousey ended up taking them out, but... Overall, Shayna Baszler comes out dominant. Ronda Rousey posted an Instagram post, and it seems like Ronda Rousey's done with WWE for now. Oh, I didn't know that. It seems like that, at least. But I, I just, I wish, and people are like, oh, it looks so fake, blah, blah, blah. Shayna Baszler's out there posting pictures of her injuries. as a huge bam roasted to those people. Yeah. 
So I just would have liked for there to be more. But I didn't hate it. I could... I I agree with you, but I don't know... I know you mentioned all of that stuff. I, mean, I don't Ken know Shamrock how... could have been a referee. Amanda Nunes... Holly Holm, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know if, like, I mean, I think anybody here could have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. After that, we saw Gunter pick up the victory over Drew McIntyre to retain the Intercontinental Championship. I, I expected this match to be way more hard-hitting than it was. Um... Yeah, I think that this was a good match to go on after the last match, but I thought that this was still is still held up to my expectations they, of it. They did eventually do the chop for chop spot, which is like brutal to see. I know, but Gunter hit a second splash on Drew McIntyre, picked him up for a clothesline, and then and then picked him up again for a power bomb to pick up that victory. So. It's not like Drew McIntyre looks weak as any like weak in this match. Mm-hmm. It took all that, including two splashes, like everything to to take McIntyre out. So I, I enjoyed this match as well. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Next up, you had Seth Rollins pick up the victory over Finn Balor to retain his championship. Um, right off the bat, Seth Rollins, he is I think. <laughs> The equivalent, in my opinion, to the mind games that Goldust used to play on his opponents and so many others that came before the mind game game, the mind game game of Seth Rollins is totally incredible. He's wearing the same vest that he wore when he faced off against Finn Balor and Finn Balor got injured. For, where he had to relinquish the championship. Also, I like that he came out with, like, a gorgeous George-esque robe. Oh, I didn't think about that that aspect. I mean, I don't think that's an aspect. That's pretty cool. I just think that's, like, that's what it reminded me of, at least. But then they unveiled that, that he was wearing that same vest, and I thought that was a, a really a cool thing, too, because, like, even when he faced off against uh, Cody Rhodes, he came out there in polka dots. Exactly. I mean, let's not forget when he, forget when he was facing Roman Reigns. He wore the shield gear. Rey Mysterio, he wore the Halloween Havoc, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You see, like, Seth Rollins, the the mind game level that he's... It's incredible, and it's fun. But they both started fighting before the bell. I liked, during the match, Finn Balor tried to powerbomb Seth Rollins into the barricade, and he couldn't get it at first. He eventually did. I was hoping that like commentary covered it like later on, like a bit after that. But when he struggled to do it outside the ring, I don't know if they didn't like pick up on it or not, but I would have liked for them to be like, Oh my God, he's going for the same power bomb that injured that, 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 that took him out. Well, they did go through for that, that um, barricade spot that took him out. Yeah. But they, but when he attempt when he first attempted it and he couldn't get it, I like commentary just like glazed over it, glossed over it. Ah, gotcha. So I, I would have liked for that to happen. But yeah, he did eventually do the powerbomb. But Damian Priest also showed up and clocked Seth Rollins behind the referee's back. And Rhea Ripley and Dominic showed up. 
And Finn Balor didn't want the briefcase. Briefcase. He didn't want to use it. I know. This is this is the one thing that I'm like hating because I am a big fan of Judgment Day. I hate that Finn Balor has been his own worst. I mean, it's all storyline, but I hate that he's been his own worst enemy in Damien Priest trying to help him. And every single time he tries to help him, Finn Balor just gets in his own but way. Again, maybe this is something that it, Finn Balor himself needs to get over. He he needs to, if he doesn't want Damien Priest in there, and he's like, I need to do this for myself. You weren't even here. I don't. You weren't even in the company when this happened. My whole thing is I don't want Judgment Day to be broken up. So I'm hoping that him and Finn Balor can repair whatever is taking place. Well, Damian Priest tossed the briefcase in and it distracted the referee. And Seth Rollins was able to hit that curb stomp onto onto the briefcase. Mm-hmm. And he picked up the victory. Yeah, and this had interference from every everybody in Judgment Day. Um, it was the crowd. Let's not forget the crowd. the The crowd was totally on fire this entire match. Yeah, they 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 won the crowd over. Highly entertaining match. The next match wasn't really my favorite match. Bianca Belair picking up the victory over Asuka and Charlotte to become the new women's champion. Um, it was pretty slow. Yeah. This match was very slow for me. And I really only it, wanted either Asuka or EO to win this, even though EO wasn't involved. But I'm I'm happy that Bianca Belair was able to get the victory. And there were certain spots in here that I liked, like the, the neckbreaker DDT combo that Bianca Belair hit. But uh-huh. her knee became a, a big issue in this match. And it was bothering her throughout the match. Charlotte tossed her to out to the outside at one point, and she and she hit her her knee in the steps. So medical came out to work on it, and this she, this entire spot I didn't really like because you can tell like that the from the yeah. But that's the thing. I wasn't. I really, really, really didn't like this spot. I didn't think that the underdog spot was necessary, especially because the her hitting the steps. You never actually sh- uh, saw, and it didn't even look like she was close to the step when she was coming down. Yeah, but outside her knee of... still was like it was still storyline f- point in this match. Exactly, but her coming down and it just—if you were gonna have her hit the steps, show me her hitting the steps. Mm. Show me her hitting the steps, and then and, you, and... you fast forward though she gets walked off, and the match is continuing. She's not going down like that. Goes back to the ring, and instead of breaking up like a pin by just pulling whoever off of the 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 person they're pinning, she hits a four fifty onto Charlotte, who had the figure eight on Oscar. It's like why if you if yeah. you know your knees bad, why would you go up to the top rope and hit a four fifty? I mean, the amount of time it took her to get up there too. There was so yeah, much Asuka that Oscar still. I mean, yeah, there was Oscar yeah, could have tapped, tapped out. Yes, but Flair you know, then I, locks the I want, figure I wanted eight to on, see, on Bianca well, I, Belair. I wanted to see Oscar retain, 
Yeah, obviously. I wanted to see Oscar retain. I didn't think there was a few moments in this match where it just didn't seem like Charlotte was on the same level chemistry wise as the other two wrestlers. Um, but I like the... that spot where the figure eight on Bel Air was locked in and Oscar popped up and and misted her in the face to break it up. Yeah, and then that really leads to the end of the match where Bianca Belair rolled Oscar up to win. And it, I feel like that moment came out of nowhere, but after that, damage control ran out, and Bailey clocked. I think it was Charlotte first. She took out Oscar with the briefcase, and Io went to the top rope, waiting to hit the moonsault for the referee to officially announce that Io Sky, uh, yeah, Io Sky is cashing in. And we have EO picking up the victory over Bianca Belair to become the new women's champion. And something that I loved about this part was not EO winning. It was her running down with, with Bailey while EO is holding the, the uh, briefcase. And when she encounters Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair, who are on the outside of the ring, I mean, I mean Charlotte Flair, sorry, and Asuka on the outside of the ring. She passes, she gives the briefcase to Bailey. So this way she, EO Sky doesn't have to get involved. And Bailey uses the briefcase to take out Charlotte Flair and Asuka and allows um, EO Sky to get into the ring untouched and unharmed by the other two wrestlers that were in this matchup. I thought that that added so much value to the cash in where Bailey protected EO from not getting, having to be involved with the other two wrestlers that were there. I don't know if anybody else is, was going to pick up on that, but that small part, I loved. After did that, you recognize that too no, or not? not? Not necessarily. I, I mean, I, I knew that, that she did did everything, but... Yeah, I thought that that was great. Like, it was a great way for Bailey to clear the way for her. And then when she got in the ring, Bailey pretty much being the distraction that she needed because Bianca Belair, when she had her back turned, that's when... EO took out her leg with the briefcase. And then even when EO went up to the turnbuckle and she starts yelling like cash in, cash in, cash in. And she's waiting. And then she what was over the top was her waving to the crowd or waving to the referee, like ring the bell. And then she hit the moonsault for the win. It was it was awesome. And I really thought that EO was going to be the one, the first woman to lose the briefcase. What made you think that? Just because damage control had been fighting. Or not really been on the same page. That's, you know what? That's true. But I feel like since winning the briefcase, to me, it seems like something was repaired. Yeah, Even that, though you thought that it was going to yeah. go in the opposite direction. you op- you Everybody thought that it would go easily in the opposite direction. Because now you have, just like with Judgment Day. Like, everybody thought that the Judgment Day aspect with Finn Balor and Damian Priest would have happened with Bailey and... And EO, but instead they're working together. So I love actually that you're having two of the Money in the Bank briefcase holders in similar storylines, but totally opposed, totally opposite uh, each other. One being supportive and one being totally just combative. Um, and then, of course, a big surprise was Dakota Kai joining them to celebrate in the ring awesome moment which apparently she wasn't even like told until that day where she had to like quickly hop on a flight and got there mid-event which is crazy 
Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was awesome to see Dakota Kai celebrate, especially because damage control literally formed last year at SummerSlam. And even cooler to have this moment where EO Sky defeats Bianca Belair for the championship. Who was champion last year when they formed? It was Bianca Belair. And they showed up right after Bianca Belair retained the title against Becky Lynch. So that's a whole, like, a big full circle moment. And I thought that was so well done. Yeah. Main event of SummerSlam. SummerSlam saw Roman Reigns pick up the victory over Jey Uso in a tribal combat match to retain the championship. This was very slow. And very long. I will say that I did fall asleep at the very, very end. I was really, really tired. Um, I was exhausted. You fell asleep just for though because it was like you were tired, not because of the actual match. Yes, no, I was like legit tired from the entire week. Um, and I understand and I, that where like this might not be somebody's cup of tea that they were watching. There, are a lot of people I did see complaining, but I think they needed it to be that long and and drawn out to how it was in order yeah. to tell the story that they were telling. I agree with you. I, I like me falling asleep doesn't have to do with the entertainment value of the matchup because I totally agree with you. You couldn't have it be a quick match. It had to be long drawn. It had to be intense at moments. It had to have the slow points. It had to have the build with Solo, the the involvement of Jimmy. You you needed everything involved with this. So I agree with you. I think that it was the perfect length of time and it it was required. It was almost an hour long, which is crazy. Wow. But we I had, didn't realize that it was even that, that uh, long of a match. We had the use of steel steps. We had chairs, kendo sticks. We had tables. I wish we had more weapons, though. And I thought there'd be more weapons. Mm-hmm. But Jay, I saw... Um, I saw Jay hit a uh, Samoan drop off the apron through a table. I thought that was a nice spot. He took out yeah. that strap and started beating Roman with it. Solo, like you said, eventually came out and put Jay through a, a table in the crowd. And then Roman Reigns accidentally speared Solo Sokoa when when they went for the spear-spike combo. And Solo I mean, got, who knows where... What, were you going to say who knows if Roman did that on purpose? I was going to say who knows where that's going to lead oh. to now. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, Roman I mean, did that on purpose. Honestly, I mean, now Jay's out. Jimmy, I mean, we'll get to Jimmy, but who knows if, I mean... We've been teasing, been teased with Solo's uh, relationship with Roman Reigns. I mean, Solo there was got many times where Solo Roman would Reigns go for the, this. Uh-huh. Solo got heated. Exactly. There was many times where Solo have has tried to go for the Samoan spike only for Roman Reigns to stop him from doing it. And you can see the tension building with Solo and Reigns. So now with Reigns hitting with the spear, who knows? And that, that tension there allowed for... Jay to spear Roman Reigns through the barricade. Yeah. But he continued to fight Jay and uh and and Jay almost had it won. But like you said, Jimmy finally came out and and pulled him off of Roman Reigns and he super kicked Jay, tossed him into the ring and the rest is history. Also, I thought it was pretty cool when, at one point when Jay put Roman through the commentary table, uh chef reactions from TikTok Sitting there in the crowd. First wrestling show, I think he said, in like, uh, I don't know how many years, but it was years. 
So I thought that was pretty cool to see him help uh, Jay up onto the table, <laughs> onto yeah. the barricade for for balance. <laughs> but Roman Reigns picks up that victory, and really the only thing that I wanted from this, they had the video package, but the Wild Samoans and Rikishi, I don't know how you do, I, how do you have tribal combat and not have them involved? It makes no sense. I, yeah. I thought for I sure mean, we you, would see them, but I keep I keep thinking that, but. You could have you could have at least involved them at the very end, like when Roman what like was presented the uh the necklace. Yeah. It could have been something like that at the very end where they crown they, him. I mean we did see I think it was Hell in a Cell was when that happened where they presented the Wild Samoans gave Roman the Ulafala. Exactly. It could have been something like that. I, that like, that's what I would have expected to be seen. Or what? at least sitting at ringside. Fast forward to the press conference. Somebody asked Paul Heyman, what inning is this? Paul said it's only bottom of the third or something like that. For this whole storyline. So, I think that's like... I think Paul Heyman like really did a very good job at selling why this storyline doesn't suck and why it's not boring. At that press conference. I I agree with you. I think that him saying that it's only the bottom of the third is... And then Jacob Fatu tweeted that out. It was a bit interesting. <laughs> exactly. There's so much that could be taking place with this entire storyline where if you're not enjoying the storyline or the bloodline or you're tired of it, then I really believe that you're just not paying attention. And I do feel like... I, I, I do wish that they would like have less involvement in matches, though. Because it does, it, it is the same thing pretty much every single time where the heel heals. They, uh-huh. they cheat. So it's like, I wish that that was different for at like one match even. Could you give us that maybe? <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. A part of me is okay with it just because of the bloodline being such a family dynamic aspect where it's hard not to see any involvement unless it was a stipulation involved. Yeah. But, but that's next, yeah. SummerSlam, let's get on to some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Beforehand, uh, I think it was Variety first uh, announced that WWE is going to be switching things up for commentary. Monday Night Raw now has Michael Cole and Wade Barrett, while SmackDown will have Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Kevin Patrick. A lot of people talk so much trash about Kevin Patrick. I think he's a fine commentator. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any problems with him. Uh, and then it was also unfortunately announced that Sonya Deville is out with a torn ACL. Uh, they, they didn't that announce just... they didn't announce on Monday Night Raw anything with the championships, so it, it does seem like the titles are cursed at this point. But I really, I would, I would hope for them to just let Chelsea be champion by herself because I think and... if there's one person in WWE right now that can do that. I don't want to say one person because I think there's another person in WWE that could do that too, that being Bailey. But I truly think that Chelsea can be champion by herself and be entertaining with the, the two titles. I agree with you. I think that she could hold both. But on the other hand, if they do pair her up with somebody as a necessity, I could see it being played out where maybe Adam Pierce says like, she has to give up the titles and then she complains and complains and he's like, fine, you pick a replacement. And then she's like, fine. And then she brings in Mandy Rose. I will mark out for it because there is that tough enough connection. 
So I and that would be a great way to have Mandy Rose return, who we haven't. I don't believe we've seen do anything pro wrestling wise outside of no. like uh, fashion shows. Yeah, no. I don't think we've seen her pop up anywhere. So, I mean, she's she served her time. She learned her lesson, so to speak, and everything. I think that if he allows, well, I mean, that she brings Mandy Rose in to do that, I think that would be awesome. I do think that would be cool. Also, uh, we didn't mention it. I feel like it probably could have been mentioned during that EO Sky cash-in moment. It was, I guess, confirmed but not officially confirmed that Kyrie Sane's back with WWE. And, and she'll be back come November. So whether that's awesome, does she you know, Kyrie Sane, does where she go with Oscar or does she go with EO? Hmm. Or, oh, or man. maybe she doesn't, I don't know, but I am that. so happy that Ky- Kyrie Sane is back with the company. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like she's just such a likable person person yeah where you cannot not be a fan of Kyrie Sane so for her to be back it's very some exciting people are I know people who aren't so but I'm, I'm a huge fan That's of Kyrie insane. Sane so I'm, I'm yeah. counting down the months but Monday Night Raw kicked off with Cody Rhodes who spoke about how surprised he was that Brock Lesnar raised his arm at SummerSlam and then he was talking about it with his mom and his mom was like Cody, Brock acknowledged you. I think, by the way, Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes are two of like the best like storytellers to make you interested in something in WWE. But, mm-hmm. but Cody now feels like he could beat anybody. Out came Seth Rollins and said, let's put it to a test. And then the Judgment Day interrupted without Finn Balor. Damian Priest was like, we control the titles. Dominic's not done with Cody. He got into Cody's face. And then Finn Balor showed up and attacked them from behind. Sami Zayn ran down to make the save, which sets up the main event of Monday Night Raw. And I thought it was a setup to not have Finn Balor with them, but which commentary thought as well, but... Damian Priest confronted Finn Balor later on about it, and he was talking to J.D. McDonough. Apparently, Finn Balor did that on his own, and Damian Priest was annoyed that he wasn't with them. Mm. So it was interesting, and Priest was like, you still lost after we, like, we did everything we can in that match at SummerSlam. Your loss at SummerSlam's on you. And Finn Balor's like, well, maybe I lost because of you. And then Rhea Ripley, obviously, she's there trying to break it up. And J.D. McDonough told Damian Priest that the Money in the Bank briefcase seems to be the thing that's getting in between them. So maybe he should just go try and try to get rid of it. And I think it's interesting yeah, would... to include J.D. McDonough in this now. Yeah, I wasn't expecting McDonough to show up like that. We have seen him in, interact with Finn Balor in the past, but he's been gone for a while. Maybe on me. Yeah, it's been a very long time. I mean, and since you mentioned her, I mean, congratulations to Rhea Ripley. uh, With the engagement. Is it official? Yeah, official. Yeah, congratulations to her and Buddy Buddy Murphy. (laughs) Or Buddy Murphy. (laughs) But uh, earlier in the night, we saw Ricochet and Adam Pierce, and Ricochet was talking to Adam Pierce about Logan Paul cheating. 
And then Champa, Chad Gable, and Matt Riddle walked in. And Adam Pierce was like, I want to give everybody here a chance. Sets up a fatal four-way for a shot at the Intercontinental Championship, which in his hometown, Chad Gable picks up the victory over Ricochet, Tommaso Ciampa, and Matt Riddle to become number one contender over big time here. So I thought that was really cool. They had an interesting Tower of Doom spot, which like everybody hit a German suplex. I wish they would stop doing Tower of Doom spots for a while because it's like every Mm -hmm. single Fatal 4-Way, they do one. So, but again, as long as you're creative, I'm like more keen on on you including them. But I think this would have been a fun match to to have these competitors in like a Money in the Bank match. Uh Uh-huh. I thought... They work very yeah. well together in this match. Yeah, and then and Chad Gable, the hometown hero, just going out with the victory. And I liked they the the they they had the chaos theory spots where Chad Gable wasn't able to hit it on um I forget who he was hitting it on, but but Ricochet ended up interrupting it with the recoil. And then Tommaso Ciampa mm-hmm. interrupted one with the Famouser. And then he hit it on Tommaso Ciampa to actually pick up that victory and he celebrated with his son afterwards going in matching singlet that that was so adorable mm-hmm. and running around the the ring taking a lap I thought that was cool and then later on yeah that was funny Kaiser went to the Alpha Academy's locker room and Maxine was there by herself and he made fun of the Alpha Academy it seemed like he was hitting on her as well and she ended up slapping him and he turned around and it turned he turns into Otis who laid out a challenge to Kaiser, and later on we had that match where Ludwig Kaiser picked up the victory over Otis. Mm-hmm. Kaiser flirted more with with Maxine here. It makes you wonder. And she got up on the apron to yell at him. Giovanni Vinci got involved, but Otis took him out, and behind the referee's back, uh, Gunter got involved. And took Otis out. What's going to happen? And then Imperium, obviously, they attacked Otis until Chad Gable made the save and they retreated. Yeah. It would be cool if, Next if up, Gunter you had broke Honky go- Tonk Man's record and, like, Chad Gable was able to take the title. But also, I would still really like to see Sheamus take the title from Gunter. I want to see Sheamus take the title, but I want to see the see it extend a little bit over the. I don't want it to be broken and then lose it right after. Yeah, I think it. I, I want think to see Royal it Rumble extend maybe. Time. I'm sorry. I think Royal Rumble is a good time. Yeah, I'd be good with Royal Rumble. You know, I like give him a few more extra months to add a few more days to the to the list, and then I would say Sheamus. I, I mean. Let's face it, every single match that Sheamus and Walter Gunter have been putting on have been five-star matches, in my opinion. And Gunter, by the way, already holds a record in WWE for the NXT UK Championship. That, yeah. at one point, still is one of the longest reigns in modern WWE history. Mm-hmm. But after that, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura pick up the victory over Bronson Reed. I enjoy this match, and it seemed like they're really trying to build up both Nakamura and Bronson Reed here. 
they and it seems like they're both done with Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. I liked that Michael Cole, I think it was, mentioned the IWGP Championships for Nakamura. It's not unique, but it's unexpected to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nakamura, we saw him move out of the way of the tsunami and then hit a Kinshasa from behind and then a normal Kinshasa to the front of Bronson Reed's head to pick up that victory. And then later on, Shinsuke Nakamura was interviewed where he said that he's tired of people getting in his way. Off camera, we hear commotion. It was JD McDonough attacking Sami Zayn, who had a nasty... Yeah, and then you saw Sami Zayn's elbow. Yeah, nasty. Huge, like, hematoma forming on there. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes weren't on the same page at all. And Nakamura offered to tag with them since Sami Zayn wasn't cleared. So now the main event of Monday Night Raw gets changed to that. Yeah. We saw Becky Lynch come out and say that she's ready for her saga with Trish Stratus to be over. But it was Zoe Stark who came out instead and told her that it's been over. And Becky Lynch told Zoe that Trish Stratus is just dragging her in the wrong direction and she could be the one fighting for the championship. But instead, she's playing second fiddle to Trish Stratus. And then Shayna Baszler, surprisingly, I was not expecting that at all. She interrupts. She got a thank you Shayna chant for driving Ronda Rousey out of WWE. And uh, Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark got into it. And Becky Lynch kind of backs off and she goes, eh, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's see you two fight. And Shayna picks up that victory over Zoe Stark. I think uh, something interesting to note here was that Becky Lynch was drinking lemonade during this. Yeah. One of those, like, if you know, you know things. Yeah, I, okay, explain please, because I didn't understand it. I didn't know. Well, <laughs> she was left off SummerSlam. And she posted something on Instagram with lemons or whatever, saying, like, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade, basically. And then at the press conference, Triple H, without mentioning Becky Lynch, acknowledged the lemonade thing. He's like, oh, if some people want to make lemonade out of lemons or something like that. After the match, Becky Lynch did the Triple H spit with the lemonade. I gotcha. And I don't understand what they're doing here between Becky Lynch and, and uh, and Triple H like that. It's not like Triple H is coming back to fight Becky Lynch or something like that. You never know. Mm. (laughs) But uh, the match was definitely, I guess, what I expected it to be. I don't think we're ever going to see Shayna Baszler back to how she was at the Elimination Chamber in 2020. But I think commentary did a very, very good job here at putting her over. You know what? I think that she could... Be back at that level, I just but don't see it's going to that. take. I I don't see them doing that, but she could. It's just going to take time, and she's going to like legit have to start to dominate. Well, she's later on said that she's coming for the man, so or sooner or later she'll be coming for the man. Yeah, like that's the thing. If she could take out Becky, take out Charlotte, take out. Head up into Bailey. I can definitely the, see uh, you're on the wrong roster, unless you're taking specifically the four horsewomen. Yeah, I'm going for the four horsewomen. Like if she One's can take, knock off them, like she needs a so- a few solid wins where it's just like her dominant, where she could be back on that path. 
Well, earlier in the night, we saw Miz walking backstage to take photographs. And the woman's like, oh, you're going to have to wait three minutes. And it turned out to be for LA Knight. And I don't think LA Knight should have been there without more explanation. Commentary did mention it when later on, I mean, Miz, what was it like? uh, Was it Miz TV or just Miz in the ring? I don't think it was Miz TV. Miz was just cutting Miz a promo. In, yeah, it's just Miz in the ring. And he addressed uh, the whole LA Knight situation. And I wish that he himself was like, you're not even supposed to be here. But that didn't happen. He did speak about how he's a vet and LA Knight didn't introduce himself to the Miz or shake his hand. And then LA Knight interrupted to introduce himself and the Miz didn't accept it. And LA Knight... Uh, Miz called LA Knight uh, an Attitude Era fanboy cosplaying in the ring. In his ring, I think he even said. But I think both of them absolutely killed it on the mic here. And Miz ended up attacking LA Knight, but Knight turned it around, hit that BFT. And then I like, even when Miz is passed out on the mat, LA Knight got down and shook his hand while he was knocked out. I, I like that part. I just wish that they were like, Oh, Slim Jim requested that LA Knight come back to come to Monday Night Raw to take pictures for us or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just to make it make sense that LA Knight was there. Instead of being like, oh, you win a Slim Jim Battle Royal. I think Wade Barrett said it. You win a Slim Jim Battle Royal, you're allowed to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, I don't know about that. Make yeah. it make sense. But mm-hmm. they absolutely killed it. And it seems like we're going to be getting this as a match soon, even though they're they're on two different brands. Yeah, it seems like that way to me. Uh, next up was a surprise. Definitely. Total shock. You had the Viking Raiders head on out to the ring for an open challenge. You didn't know who was going to answer. Woo-hoo. But who, who indeed, the New Day make their return. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods come back and defeat Viking Raiders. Um... Yeah, it's good to see the New Day back. Yeah, Kofi's been out injured for five months, so it's definitely nice to see New Day back. I I would have liked to have seen them lose, though. I, okay. I, I know I that so would have compl- sucked, and I know that it's just like, no, there, there's no way they would have done that, because like, that kills all momentum that New Day could even have. Yeah. But I just need the Raiders to be the Raiders. I agree with you. I it, I agree with you. It was a weird situation where, like, you want to see, you understand New Day should win on a return. But on the other hand, you want to see the Raiders be who they are. Yeah. And not, it did felt, it felt a little bit empty without uh, Big E. I don't know if it felt empty because we've had, like, it's not like, we're not not used to seeing that. I know. But uh, New Day said that they want the tag titles, so that'll that'll be a thing. Yeah. Earlier in the night, we saw Raquel Rodriguez at the. She was getting checked out by the trainer. She's still injured, and the way was with her, which was weird. They tried to cheer her up. They posted a, an image on on Twitter from uh, War Games, so then it kind of makes sense, but like at the same time, doesn't really fully make sense. 
Because mm. we ha- like, where the hell have the way been? We haven't seen them, especially not with Raquel Rodriguez anytime soon. Long time. Anytime recently. But uh, right before the main event, Raquel Rodriguez attacked Rhea Ripley. And the way came out to back her up. And Rhea Ripley ended up getting into it with the way. And Candice fought back, which you really kind of don't see something like that. Yeah, me, me and you were talking about that. Usually you see somebody when there's a brawl that takes place, like let's say Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. If people come down and start to break up Cody and Brock Lesnar, whoever comes down and break up, they're going to probably get thrown to the side of the uh, to the side and then just stay down for a few moments. If they do try to break up again, maybe they'll get hit with a clothesline or a punch from one of them. But Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell too, uh, they started to fight back. And I mean, Candice more specific, but Indy Hartwell got her shots in there too. And I was really really happy and excited for that because you never see that happen. I do think we'll probably see something like Indy versus Rhea on Raw and Rhea's going to like dominate, but Indy versus Rhea. Okay. Something yeah, like that. I can see obviously not uh, specifically that, but I could, I could see that taking place. Yeah. But the main event, you see Seth, uh, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura pick up the victory over the judgment day. And I um, thought it was a pretty fun match. We saw Damian Priest. Yeah, a lot of tension with the Judgment Day. Priest hit Cody with the they Money were... in the Bank briefcase. Yeah. And Sami Zayn showed up to attack him. Finn Balor goes to use the case. But Seth kicked it into his head, and then Cody hit Crossroads to pick up that victory. There was a moment where they cut to break where Damian Priest and, and Finn Balor did do the fist bump to each other. Like right after Seth, I think Seth Rollins hit the return, the favor to uh, Seth. um, I'm sorry, Finn Balor returned the favor to Seth Rollins or something happened to the outside of the ring where all of Judgment Day was crowded in the corner of the outside area and they cut to the break. But for that split moment, you saw Finn Balor and Damian Priest like actually working together and I was starting to get excited. I'm like, yes, let's see it. But I mean, I would have liked to have seen the Judgment Day win this as well, but. Yeah. They the the bigger story was all the the faces celebrating the victory and they continued to celebrate and they the camera pans out Shinsuke Nakamura hits Seth Rollins with the Kinshasa. And he doesn't even say it. He just hits his move and walks out. The whole thing with him like stepping up to be their partner really didn't make sense to me fully because it kind of seems like Nakamura's not really been a face in recent weeks. It seems yeah. like with that attitude he's been been given, it wouldn't seem like something he would step up and do. So yeah. to have that ending make sense, I think is 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 awesome to see. I agree with you. I thought I thought that Monday Night Raw was really enjoyable. Moving over to NXT, it opened up with Mustafa Ali picking up the victory over Axiom, uh, which they got started almost right away. Yeah, I was a fan with how quickly they were able to just get right in there. The ending of the match, there was like a spot where Ali maybe accidentally grabbed Axiom's mask, and that was like the turning point to end that match at that point. 
Yeah. But I thought they had a good match. I agree with you. I thought that it was a very solid match. After that, we saw Blair Davenport pick up the victory over Kalani Jordan. And I feel like Kalani Jordan maybe shouldn't have been able to get as much in as she did on Blair Davenport. Yeah, they made Kalani Jordan really seem like a contender to a point, no? Because Blair, like, yeah, it, but Blair's a, a proven threat, so I don't think she's built up enough uh, to have that length of unless, match against Davenport. Unless that, unless this was the build for Kalani Jordan to now see what's next. Well, Dana went after uh, Blair Davenport afterwards with a belt. And she almost hit Kalani Jordan. And backstage, she was angry at the situation and maybe Kalani. Because she wanted more aggression It seemed, it seemed like... Yeah. She you doesn't know. want what happens to her or what happened to her happened to Kalani. Which doesn't really make sense. I mean, I guess they have the same similar background and everything with the gymnastics and stuff. But, like, why she was attached in the first place to Kalani Jordan, I, I don't really understand. But I'm I'm happy that there's TV time for Dana Brooke here. And yeah. she's going to be facing um, Blair Davenport next week. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Next up, you had the Heritage Cup on the line as Tyler Bate picked up the victory over Noam Dar to become, well, to hold Dar's Heritage Cup. Not the real Heritage uh, Cup, but... Yeah, just Dar's. But the uh, Tyler Bate got the, the first fall in round two, and then Noam Dar held like the longest submission on Tyler Bate in round four, where Tyler Bate finally tapped out and he held on to it afterwards, right right up until the four count. We saw Oro Mensa get involved, and Tyler Bate knocked him off the apron and recovered, basically. He reversed a pin to pick up that victory over Noam Dar. And that, for me, I, I, I was not expecting Tyler Bate to take the cup from Noam Dar, but it 100% makes sense that you're not keeping these two cups around. Yeah. And then Metaphor totally... approached Tyler Bate later on, and Noam Dar, he's like, I want my cup back. I want my cup. And Tyler Bates like, well, I can't just give the championship to you. And then Nathan Fraser showed up with the cup. And he's like, all you have to do is admit that the cup isn't real. And I'll give you the cup back. And Noam Dar had a tough time saying it. But he ended up agreeing when uh, they, they set up a match for Heat Wave. Where Noam Dar is going to be facing Nathan Fraser for the actual NXT Heritage Cup. Which is going to be interesting. Well, I don't um, know if... I don't know. Maybe Noam Dar wins it back from Nathan Fraser. Because he did actually... Technically, he'd never lost it. It was Aro Mensa who lost it. Yeah, it's true. Backstage, we saw Dijak approach Carmelo Hayes. Because he wants a title shot, and then Wesley interrupted, and Dijak ended up attacking Wesley, which sets up a match. We saw Ilya Dragunov and Trick Williams in the ring together, where Trick proposed a match at Heatwave. Because he just wants to prove himself, and Ilya Dragunov accepted that. So I think that's going to be good for Trick Williams. I agree, but I see Dragunov winning. 100%. Next up... Next up, you had Braun Breaker pick up the victory over Von Wagner. Von Wagner cutting a a promo before the match, saying that 
he's going to get tabled. That he is going to, he's out going out there to put Braun Breaker through a table. And Braun um, stopped him from doing that. Yeah. And I thought it was a pretty decent match, but he grabbed, uh, Braun Breaker grabbed Robert Stone after the match, and Von Wagner got him away from Braun and then hit him in, in the, the knee and put him through the commentary table. And Robert Stone, who's normally like, no, don't do that, don't do that, celebrated. And he was so happy that <laughs> that Von Wagner put Braun Breaker through the table. Yeah, and that was a really a good spot for uh, putting him through the table, you know? Yeah. But next up, they had backstage segments where throughout the entire night, Schism was going around and just attacking a bunch of people. They were in search for the Creeds. Yeah, they even approached the family who don't know nothing about the Creeds. And it sets up a match where we see Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey eventually sets up where they pick up the victory, the victory over Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. And they were supposed to face Hank and tank, but schism took them out. Damon Kemp tried to step up to be with Gulak and, and Dempsey. They brushed him off backstage. And then miles Bourne came out with Gulak and Dempsey and Gulak made him go to the back because he didn't provide drew Gulak with the water, which I thought was funny, but Damon Kemp came out. Took Jensen out behind the referee's back. And Dempsey was able to pick up the victory off of that. Fast forward to the next match. Kiana James picks up the victory over Ivy Nile. She's now using what Gigi Dolan tried to expose from her past to help her in the future, I guess. And she starts off right away by throwing her bag at Ivy Nile to gain the upper hand. And... And I, Ivy Nile was totally over with the crowd, too. But Schism came out and surrounded the ring. Kept chant. They were, like, tapping the ring, chanting for the creeds, which I don't think... Uh, not I don't think. Ivy Nile was not really distracted by that. It was only when Ava swiped her leg when she had that dragon sleeper locked in that cost her the match against Kiana James. Hmm. And then it was the family who made the save for Ivy Nile. So yeah, coming in to help her out. No creeds. Next yet. up, you had no creeds yet. Next up, you had a very interesting uh, vignette. This was weird. Of uh, <laughs> Los Lotharios. It was kind of funny though. I I get what they were doing here. They were just texting back and forth, and uh, some of the text messages included an exchange about how their grand, how they should be honoring their grandfather. So yeah. they are building them up as a, a a team again. So I appreciate that. And they're building them up as, as a serious team, not a joke team. Right. They're going to be focused. Exactly. And then the main May- event, we saw Dominic Mysterio pick up the victory over Dragon Lee to retain the North American Championship. Before the match, though, we saw Rey Mysterio uh, speak with Roxanne Perez. He spoke with Thea Hale. Which I think was pretty cool that they did that. I I thought it was interesting. Thea Hale asked with the question she asked Rey Mysterio with the, "Do you still love uh, Dominic?" Yeah. You know, and Ray just very much saying how like he's still his son and everything like that. I I do like, I did like all of that interaction. And they also had Lyra Valkyria with a, a segment with Rhea Ripley where she accused 
Rhea Ripley of manipulating people. And I thought yeah. the, the match itself, I thought was, was a good match. Dominic tried to unmask Dragon Lee and it fired Dragon Lee up, but Rhea Ripley slid that North American championship in and behind the referee's back, she hit uh, Dragon Lee with the women's championship. So she did exactly what Lyra Valkyria said she would do. And and cut to after the match, Rey Mysterio and Dominic have a stare down. And Rhea Ripley got into Rey Mysterio's face and Lyra Valkyria showed up and attacked Rhea Ripley. And Dragon Lee took out Dominic. Hmm. So I like that they're incorporating Lyra Valkyria into this and... I could only assume we're going to be seeing a mixed tag. That's what I'm thinking. But that's NXT going to move over to SmackDown. Asuka versus Charlotte opened the show. It ended in a no contest. And I would definitely like to have seen a new matchup. Not this one for sure, but Damage Control came out. And when Charlotte was setting up for the figure eight, that distracted her. For a little bit. And then Damage Control hopped up on the apron. EO Sky dropkicked both Asuka and Charlotte at the same exact time. So I guess this is Damage Control's way of celebrating EO's title victory. So, although I wasn't really into the, the whole match itself, like the idea of the match, I thought the match was decent. I was happy at the uh, with the outcome with EO Sky and Damage Control. After that, AJ Styles picked up the victory over Karrion Cross. They heard a vignette beforehand for Karrion Cross, which was very well done. But the match kind of fell apart here uh, for a little bit. Scarlett got up on the apron. Uh, actually, before that, she she helped Karrion Cross get out of a pin. She put his, his foot up on the rope, and then Mia Yim attacked her. AJ Styles got distracted from that. He recovered. But then Scarlett got up on the apron and Mia Yim took her out and AJ Styles basically won pretty much right after that. So I think Karrion Cross should have won this one. I think AJ is now 2-0 over Cross. So that's not really good. After that, Edge came out. He's uh, advertised for next week in Toronto to celebrate his 25 years of wrestling. So this was a surprise in Calgary. And I thought it was going to be like Grayson Waller or somebody to get heat coming out to Edge's theme song as a joke. But Edge came out, said he wants a match against someone who's he's never faced one-on-one before, that being Sheamus. And he put Sheamus over big time as being the, the person who inspired him to see that he's able to come back into wrestling. So he called Sheamus out, the Brawling Brutes came out, and... Uh, They went back and forth, kind of like fourth graders in like a friendly way. They showed footage of Edge wiping out from the Celtic Warrior workouts that like triggered him to be like, hmm, maybe my neck is better. And uh, then they showed a picture of Seamus on Edge's daughter's bike. It was a little frozen bike. And uh, Seamus spoke about how in 2004 he met Edge and thought about quitting before that. So Seamus puts Edge over as the person that made him continue to wrestle and the match got made for next week. And I think that should be a fun match to, to look forward to after that LA Knight picked up the victory over top dollar. And, uh, 
in uh, honor of the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, Michael Cole spit some bars, but Hit Row got involved both in uh, behind the referee's back and in front of the referee's back. Uh, in front of the referee's back. In front of the referee. And uh, there's really not much to say from this other than it was just something to to pop the crowd for LA Knight. So, I, uh, it, 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 yeah, it was what it was. After that, a backstage video, we saw Lashley and the Street Profits just sitting around looking super dapper. Uh, where Bobby Lashley said that he sees untapped potential with the Street Profits. And that maybe SmackDown is ready for new blood to run the show. So, they're doing a great job with this uh, the this group that's, that's going on with Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. And I'm definitely looking forward to what comes next with them. Earlier in the night, Santos Escobar was interviewed. And he was asked about his championship match, the U.S. championship match against Austin Theory, and Austin Theory attacked him. He smashed Santos's leg in one of those production cases, and medical ended up clearing him, but Austin Theory attacked Santos Escobar again while he was making his way to the ring for the match. And Rey Mysterio stepped up in his place and then surprisingly picked up the victory over Austin Theory. So Rey Mysterio is a three-time U.S. champion now. I was not expecting that at all. But I, I'm fine with that. Hopefully it leads to Santos Escobar taking the title from Rey Mysterio in friendly competition. I think that would be a pretty cool like passing of the torch sort of thing. Um, but Dominic, recently when they were doing that, that tournament thing for the U.S. Championship, or not the tournament, whatever it was, the Fatal 4-Way things, Dominic said that if Rey Mysterio became U.S. champion, he'd still be better than Rey Mysterio because North America covers more than just the United States. So whether or not that plays a factor into this championship run, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to uh, what's next with that. To close the show, they had a segment called Hail to the Chief with Roman Reigns. Where the bloodline came out and Roman Reigns questioned Paul Heyman where Jimmy was. And Paul said he spoke to Jimmy earlier in the day and he was a bit salty towards him. He wasn't sure why. And Jimmy showed up. Roman Reigns told him that he owes him. And to name his price. And Jimmy said that what he did at SummerSlam was not because of Roman Reigns. It was... Jay comes out, gets in his face, demands to know why. And he said that it was because he was afraid to lose his brother. And he didn't want Jay to be corrupted like Roman Reigns became. And Jay ends up turning his back on Jimmy. Jimmy leaves the ring, walks up the ramp. Roman Reigns makes fun of the whole situation. And calls Jay stupid for and, and called him a hothead. And he told him to acknowledge him, so Jay super kicked him. And then Solo went and attacked Jay. Jay ends up super kicking him as well, but gets hit with a Superman punch. And then Roman went for a spear. Jay kicks him again, spears Roman Reigns. And then Jay told Jimmy to come back to the ring. And Jimmy turns around, looks like he's going to embrace Jay, goes running, not really running, but like walking briskly for a hug. And Jay super kicks him. 
I laughed. I thought that was hilarious. I popped big time for that. But then Jay said that he's out of the bloodline. He's out of SmackDown. He's out of WWE. So what an extreme roller coaster ride that end of SmackDown was. And I don't know what that actually means. I'm out of WWE. I know what that sentence means. I don't want that sentence to be true. So just to go back to that press conference with Paul Heyman post-SummerSlam, the bottom of the third, I'm I'm fully, I'm all in on this Bloodline storyline. I'm beyond invested here. And yeah, it's been three years, but I think it's still fresh. We're still getting all this character development. I thought this was a fantastic close to SmackDown. So what happens next with Jay? Hopefully it's not goodbye. Maybe they're doing this to save Jimmy versus Jay at WrestleMania somehow. I have no idea. But that SmackDown... Going to take a quick break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is Matt Hardy, the man who is stronger than death, and you are currently listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 653. I am, again, unfortunately, here by myself. Going to talk about AEW Rampage from last week. It opened up with the Hardy Boys teaming up with Keith Lee. To pick up the victory over the Butcher, the Blade, and Kip Sabian. I don't know why this match took place. I don't know how it makes sense. I think the most I can say is that at least Jeff Hardy looked better than his last match against the Guns. After that, we saw the Kingdom come out. They uh, or not come out, but they spoke about how uh, how close they were with Adam Cole, and they said that they were there for him, and they weren't, and he wasn't there for them. Especially when they needed him. There was no mention of Matt Hardy, so I guess he's getting cut out of that whole equation. But after that, we see the Young Bucks announce that they're re-entering the tag team division. And they want to face the Hardy Boys on Dynamite. And I was definitely not looking forward to that, but I'll speak more on that in a moment. We saw Anna Jay pick up the victory over Sky Blue. Uh, I think it was like a pretty basic match, but I thought it was good for what it was. The Jericho Appreciation Society got involved, which allowed Anna Jay to pick up the, the victory and choke Sky Blue out to, to win. After that, the Mogul Embassy picked up the victory over Logan Cruz and Tyshawn Perez. No control whatsoever by the referee uh, over the Embassy. And they basically took advantage over uh, of that to, to win the whole match. I, I don't think this was like a, a worth it match. After that, QTV took place where really the only thing worth noting of this was that Harley Cameron, she had a Matt Cardona hat. I found that to be funny. Uh, Also on Collision, QT Marshall tried to apologize to Powerhouse Hobbs and he gave him a chain and tried to, uh, I guess, get him a match for All Out or All In. But I think maybe all out, actually. I don't remember. But uh, Powerhouse wasn't having it. He took the chain. He was like, nah, I'm good. In the main event, we saw the Blackpool Combat Club pick up the victory over the best friends in a parking lot brawl. Pretty random that this took place. That Even more so that it took place at Daly's place. Big Show and Tony Schiavone were commentating for it. 
and I think th- I'm, I'm almost certain this was a lot longer than the last parking lot brawl with the best friends in Santana and Ortiz. But I don't think it was better than that match. It wasn't bad. It was it was a fun main event. But I don't think anything's going to be topping that that parking lot brawl between those two teams. But Trent was busted open at the start of this match due to a fork from John Moxley. Mox got busted open. Chuck Taylor got busted open. He siphoned gas from a car at one point, which is obviously disgusting. But he lit a barbed wire 2x4 on fire. I don't know if it actually gave the effect that they were going for, but that that, that was a, a a spot that happened where uh, they used the 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 fire the two by four. Wheeler Yuta showed up and Chuck Taylor hesitated to hit John Moxley, not to hit John Moxley, to hit Wheeler Yuta. And John Moxley took that two by four and used it so. Wheeler Yuta ended up stabbing the absolute hell out of Chuck Taylor. Sue showed up with Orange Cassidy in the minivan, on the minivan, which I think was hokey to have like a pop spot like that because I don't believe these were real fans. And I really didn't get the spot where Claudio was opening Sue's door because it was locked. And then all of a sudden it was unlocked. So I don't know why Sue would unlock the door over there, but... And I I don't know how this was supposed to set up Blackpool Combat Club versus Lucha Bros, but that's what it did for Dynamite, and I'll speak more on that in a moment. On AEW Collision, it opened up with FTR successfully retaining the Tag Team Championships against Big Bill and Brian Cage. Not a chance in hell that I think FTR was losing. Brian Cage uh, showed up, I guess he's now doing Sting Pain all the time, which... It made sense, almost made sense, I guess, when he was facing Sting, but now I just, I don't get it. But I thought it was a good match. I liked when FTR went for the Shatter Machine on Big Cass, but they couldn't. So Big uh, Big, uh, Big Bill, Big Bill ended up chokeslamming Cash onto Dax. I thought that was a nice spot. Uh, I believe it was Cash's mom who slapped Big Bill during this. No disqualification there, I not that I would have expected it in AEW, but Dax spoke afterwards and it set up Cash to say that they want the Young Bucks at Wembley. They already beat the Young Bucks, so I'm not quite sure why it's unfinished business. I don't know if they're tied in the series or whatever, big rubber match, but I that's just not a match I need to see. After that, Chris Statlander picked up the victory over Mercedes Martinez to retain the AEW Women's Championship. Chris Statlander got ready for this match by squatting Renee on Rampage. I thought that was pretty funny. And I thought this was a good match. I don't agree with the ending. It seemed like Mercedes Martinez got her shoulders up and maybe that storyline, I'm not 100% sure, but she attacked Chris Statlander afterwards for having her shoulders up. We saw Diamante run down to what seemed like to save Chris Statlander, but she also attacked Chris Statlander. And she's been off AEW TV for almost a year, so it's nice to see her. I know she's been on Ring of Honor recently, but I don't know what she's been doing in Ring of Honor. I just know as far as AEW television, it's been almost a year, so I'm happy she's on TV being used and... It seems like she'll be in this new, maybe, I don't want to say group, because there's not a third person yet, but 
it's cool to see her and Mercedes Martinez teaming up and and being a dominant heel faction. So hopefully they keep that up. Willow Nightingale ran down to make the save. So I assume we're going to see... Oh no, that is actually, I think, taking place on Collision this week. So I'll speak about that next week. After that, Tony Storm was interviewed. Maybe she's a 1920s movie actress now. Questioning, oh, am I not good enough anymore? Am I not beautiful? I don't, I don't get that. After that, Samoa Joe picked up the victory over Serpentico. Absolutely nothing of a match. Samoa Joe lays out a challenge to CM Punk for all in. And the internet went nuts, which makes no sense because we literally saw this match for the Owen tournament. So I don't know why anyone would care about this again. Their last match, it was like, it was Samoa Joe's only loss. So, Joe was like, he doesn't want it to end in a roll-up finish. I understand it, but I don't, I, it's just, it's not necessary. I don't think CM Punk is going to lose it all in. After that, the Acclaim spoke about Billy Gunn. Uh, there's literally no way he's retired or, or going to WWE like people thought. But a hell of a sell job by Bowens in this in this uh, segment. After that, the House of Black picked up the victory over Action and Dreddy, Darius Martin, and Lee Johnson. I guess the new gimmick will be to have a new tag team partner for Andretti and Martin. Because they've been cycling partners. I believe their fourth partner, A.R. Fox, Christopher Daniels, Vikingo, and now Johnson. The stipulation that they chose for this was to have Julia Hart banned from ringside. Which makes sense, but also doesn't make sense because you could have used something else to your advantage. Like when the Acclaim didn't choose Rap Battle. But uh, I thought we'd have more follow-up from Andrade and, and Buddy Matthews, but we didn't. And I don't understand how they didn't have anything. There was no follow-up. That was like the best match on Collision last week, and there was just nothing. After that, Christian was interviewed. He had his daughter with him, and uh, she at one point asked to hold the title, which was funny. You could like see her, like see him signal her to like ask, but he kicked her out, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, she's not credentialed." So I thought that was a pretty funny thing. But uh, it was about Darby Allen, and it was mainly about him being champion. I could swear he used to say that he wasn't champion or he would be like, I'm champion and then correct it to like, oh no, he's champion. He's just holding the title or whatever. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, he's definitely not champion. It's Luchasaurus. And now it seems like they've forgotten about Christian versus Darby Allen or Darby Allen getting a TNT title shot because, well, I mean, for what happens, not to skip ahead, for what happens on Dynamite. I don't understand it, but Jay White picked up the victory over Grand Metallic. Bullet Club Gold cut a promo earlier on, which uh, I, the only way I could describe it is that it seemed like a carnival, and I can't quite explain it other than that. And this match itself was just super cartoony. So the Bullet Club Gold, I think, have become jokes again and lost all credibility that they had from that FTR feud. I think it also would have been nice to have more from Grand Metallic in this match. 
because he was literally one of the best wrestlers in the world at one point. And I know WWE didn't use him to the fullest potential. We got like glimpses of it here and there, but I would have sworn that AEW could have used him better. And they haven't. So it's unfortunate, and I, I really think he could be so much better in 2023. In the main event, though, we saw CM Punk defeat Ricky Starks to retain the real championship. No words from MJF about the real title. I think it's just goofy. It's just ridiculous. But this match itself, it didn't really feel like a title match to me. Jim Ross returned to call the main event, so I thought that was cool. It's nice to hear uh, Jim Ross again. Ricky Steamboat was the enforcer, but he was pretty useless during this match until the referee, the bump spot, where uh, Steamboat ended up knocking Ricky Starks' feet off the ropes, and CM Punk rolled Ricky Starks up for like the longest count ever. That seems to be CM Punk's new finisher, by the way. Rolling up opponents. And uh, I feel like Ricky Starks should have been able to kick out of that, given how slow the count was. I get it, but... To me, it just looked bad. Uh, but AEW finally got people to boo Ricky Steam, uh, Ricky Starks, I mean. And apparently it was Ricky Steamboat's idea, so God bless Ricky Steamboat. They had Ricky Starks attack Steamboat afterwards. People booed. That was great. I don't... And then obviously uh, Steam, uh, Ricky Starks left before CM Punk got back in the ring. Why did Samoa Joe run out and beat the absolute hell out of CM Punk? I know he was, like, giving CM Punk a week to answer him about the, the match at all in, but, like, you were just up there above on the card. You want your answer? Go out there and get it. Why not end with that? But moving over to AEW Dynamite, it opened up with the Jericho Appreciation Society meeting right there in the ring, which Chris Jericho was kind of annoyed that they went to the ring without him. But Daniel Garcia interrupted him so that he could talk, so that they could all talk. He ended up, he danced in Jericho's face and left. Hager left. Then Jericho took credit for the popularity and uh, where Ty Mello and and Anna Jay are on the card. So they both quit. Parker and Menard left. And Sammy's like, I don't want to leave, but if you work out whatever you're going to and whatever you need to, I'll be there for you. And then he left. And backstage, Don Callis was there to meet Chris Jericho. And Jericho said that next week he'll announce his decision about if he's joining the family. And I have to assume there's not a chance in hell that Chris Jericho joins the family. And it leads to maybe Chris Jericho versus Takeshita or something at All In. I'm not sure. After that, the Young Bucks picked up the victory over the Hardy Boys. I did have higher hopes for this match, given how Jeff Hardy was moving the other night in that Rampage match. But it just still seemed... Eh. And I think it was on par with their other match against the Young Bucks. Nothing good. Nothing great, I should say. Nothing. It wasn't bad, but it's still just like... Not Ring of Honor. The referee had zero control in this match. Young Bucks called out FTR afterwards. Obviously the match for All In was made and none of these matches for All In for me scream 80,000 tickets. 
it none of these matches are like oh it's a must see event the must see portion of that event is the 80,000 tickets i will say that or whatever number they're at because i think that's like the highest that AEW will ever hit they're certainly not hitting that in the united states so i think it's huge for them in the uk i don't see them ha- i don't see it happening again though after that, though, Jungle Boy picked up the victory over Rob Van Dam in an FTW rules match to retain the FTW championship. I popped that Jungle Boy was wearing Jerry Lynn tights, but he attacked Rob Van Dam during the introductions. Rob Van Dam, I wouldn't say he looked bad, uh, but it, it was on par with what I remember from Impact. He's moving a lot slower, obviously. And his moves are hitting a lot heavier, like Jeff Hardy. And I think he, I hate saying this, but he needs to modify. I would like to see him modify. I can't say he needs to. I'm not a pro wrestler. But I would like to see a modified move set. Same with Jeff Hardy. It's it's very apparent that age is there. As far as the match goes... The referee got knocked down and RVD had him out for a 10 count. Aubrey ran down and Jungle Boy kicked out. So for some reason, RVD argued with her. And then he got thrown into the corner into a chair and Jungle Boy rolled him up and held on to the singlet. It's, it is awesome to see Rob Van Dam. I'm not going to lie. like, But on TV, I just I do not really need to see him wrestle a Royal Rumble spot is fine a full-on match like that no after that MJF and Adam Cole had a segment earlier in the night they played dodgeball against kids like Billy Madison but they had an in-ring segment and MJF said that he actually likes the Midwest and then he wanted to do a promo off against Adam Cole because he thought that's what Adam Cole wanted But it's not what Adam Cole wanted. He wants to go to All In and go All In. And since they couldn't win the Tag Team Championships from FTR, he wants to win the Tag Team Championships with MJF from Aussie Open, the Ring of Honor titles. And he wants to do it on Zero Hour, a dark match, before they main event. On the same card, I think is the goofiest thing possible. Like, I used the example on Twitter. Imagine if The Rock and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 8 teamed up on Sunday Night Heat to face the Basham Brothers for the OVW Tag Team Championships. I, I think that's the dumbest, goofiest thing ever. But Roderick Strong interrupted this because he wants the tag team titles. It should be him and not MJF. And then MJF and Roddy went back and forth. And it left the kingdom to come out. Hug Roderick Strong. And and leave with Roddy. They were there for Roddy when Adam Cole wasn't. Just like Adam Cole wasn't there for them. And then Adam Cole pushed MJF and yelled at him. And it seemed like, oh, they're going to maybe fight. 
you knew they weren't fighting. They could probably even beat Aussie Open for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles at on the dark match. They hugged it out to end the segment. Blackpool Combat Club picked up the victory over the Lucha Bros after that. Not a bad match. Uh, but this with the addition of everything else that the Blackpool Combat Club has done post-Blood and Guts, to me, just seems like creative has nothing for them. It's like a nothing match. This match, there's no correlation between that match and what they did with with um, Trent and Chuck Taylor. The only thing is that triple threat match with that end, that brawl that ended, and none of that ever made sense at all. But the Lucha Bros jumped the Blackpool Combat Club behind their backs to start the match. And much like the other tag team match, the referee had zero control. We saw Wheeler Yuta clock Phoenix with the, the Ring of Honor title. And Phoenix kicked out. The match went on so much longer after that. I would have expected that to be the end of that match there, but it wasn't. Yuta got involved again, though, this time in front of the referee. And she did absolutely nothing. And then just like Jungle Boy, John Moxley rolls him up, pulls the tights to, to pick up the victory. And I could swear to God they hired people to, to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. To make sure they don't have the same exact spots on, on the same show. I hate that stuff. But after the match, they continue the beat down. They take off Penta's mask. Claudio put it on. And they also, uh, earlier on, they announced that Pac was injured. So nobody came out to help the Lucha Bros. Afterwards, the Mogul Embassy addressed the Nick Wayne assault. And they called Darby Allen out. Darby said that he tried to call AR Fox. And he tried to help AR Fox. And the only person who could have saved AR Fox was himself. So he had to leave. He couldn't he couldn't put up with what AR Fox was doing anymore. So the only person who could have saved A.R. Fox was A.R. Fox. Darby said that he also has friends leading to the lights going out, longest light out ever. Sting comes in the ring, bats a bunch of the mogul embassy fellows and uh, takes them out by himself before they escaped. And then he pointed to the all-in sign. What are we doing here? And then they announced afterwards that it's a coffin match. Sting's never lost, so you already know who's winning. They announced a tournament, which I really don't understand. It's not really a tournament, but a tournament to see who will be fighting at all in for the women's championship. A tournament where Tony Storm gets a bye because she's using a rematch clause. Sky Blue's facing Soraya on Rampage. Obviously, is going to be winning. The Bunny's facing Britt Baker on Dynamite next week. Obviously, Britt Baker's winning. And for some goddamn reason, the champion, the brand new champion, Hikaru Shida, had to defend the title and, and face Anna Jay in order to get into the match. In what world? 
that's just like the goofiest thing to me. She's champion. She should automatically get that buy. She's the champion. The challengers want what she has. That makes no sense. But we cut to the main event. Hikaru Shida obviously picks up the victory over Anna Jay and retains the championship. Moves on to All In. Congratulations, you get to be in the match. But, and I also can't help feeling that this was the main event again because of that sign the other week. But it's still good to see Hikaru Shida in that position. The match itself I thought was just okay. We saw Parker and Menard get involved like they've been doing. Even at the end, which was a super weird ending. I have no idea. Parker did something and I have no idea what it was supposed to be. It didn't make any sense, but I don't think this was a a great start to Hikaru Shida's title reign. But hopefully she retains it all in and hopefully she retains it all out. If she's even booked. Maybe she'll have to to win a battle royal or something to get booked on All Out. But that's AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Damn it, Bobby. How many times do I have to tell you to listen to Brandon's shout-outs? The first shout-out goes to Primo, which is a freebie original program, which means you could watch it on Amazon Prime, but you have to watch ads. Uh, so that sucks. I hate ads. <laughs> but it was released back in May, and I just kept seeing advertisements for it on YouTube. So I finally checked it out. I enjoyed the the show. I, I finished it. Christina Vidal is one of the stars of it, who was in uh, Life with Mikey when she was a kid, which involves wrestling. Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett's in that. She was also in See No Evil, which obviously stars Kane. But... Uh, I guess I really knew her first from uh, Nickelodeon. She played Tyena. Did you ever watch that show back in the day? Tyena? I've yeah. never heard of it. Yeah, it was a, a show on Nickelodeon. But So uh, she's the star of it. It doesn't really uh, focus around her, though. But they have more a wrestling reference in here where uh, one of the characters asks if they like Bad Bunny and mentioned that he rode to the ring at WrestleMania on a, a monster, or not a monster truck, but a, a truck. And I thought that was pretty cool. But the show, it's about a coming-of-age story, I guess, of a teenage boy who's living with his mom. That's Christina. And uh, he's surrounded, like, always surrounded by his five uncles. And the show has really good reviews, actually. So it seems safe that it'll get picked up for a season two. When that'll uh, be, we- I don't know, with the writer's strike and everything. So... Uh, yeah, that's been like a damper on everything. Yeah, but I would definitely check it out on Amazon Prime on Freevee. It's free. You can literally, you don't even have to have Amazon Prime. You just go on to Freevee and, and check it out. It's called Primo. Uh, next shout out, Only Murders in the Building is back for season three. I just wish every episode was out because I would watch every single episode probably in one sitting because it's literally one of the best shows that got released in the past two years. Even beyond that, I think it's such a good show. Starring Selena Gomez, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. And I I, I really, I just can't say uh, enough good things about this show. Yeah, and they have a lot of, a lot of other uh, well-known actors and actresses in this season as well. Yeah, but uh, I'm just such a fan of this cast and they, they work so well together. So check out Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. I still I still haven't seen that, but I feel like it's a show that I would really enjoy. Yeah. Who's the actress that they just Meryl. Included Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. 
That's who it was. The last shout-out goes to Robbie Robertson, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 80. He was the lead guitarist and founding member of the band, where you may know some of his songs that he wrote, like The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, and probably the most famous one being The Wait. Um, But the band had such influence on the music industry, they influenced people like The Beatles at some point, Elton John, Eric Clapton... I think Eric Clapton even broke up Cream because of them. And, uh... Wow. Yeah, the band, they also performed on albums with Bob Dylan, so you could hear Robbie on songs like uh, Forever Young. And if you're into concert films, I highly recommend checking out The Last Waltz, which is pretty regarded as, like, one of the high, like, or highly regarded, I should say, as one of the best concert films ever. Martin, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese directed it and it has guests like Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Neil Diamond, Muddy Waters even. So check that out. I don't know. I don't not sure if it's streaming anywhere for free, but uh, go listen to some of the band this weekend. I also wanted to make a quick, quick mention that uh, the voice actor of Dale Gribble from King of the Hill, Johnny Hardwick passed away, unfortunately. Uh, one of the best cartoon characters in the histories of uh, in the history of cartoons. So I just wanted to mention that it's really very unfortunate. And uh, those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our our moment of the week is right our mark out moment of the week i gotta say eo cashing in successfully as one of them, i agree least. with you that was just an incredible moment you know uh two things come to mind for me that i marked out over number one la night throwing out the first pitch at city field for the mets game yeah yeah they threw a pretty good pitch too if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah <laughs> I'd, be, um, I'd be worried to do that um another thing that i marked out for was victoria's theme song playing in twisted metal all the things she said right i mean obviously it isn't (laughs) playing because of her theme song right but i do remember it as her theme song i mean and that entire soundtrack is is awesome for twisted metal yeah it was a surprisingly i was very very entertained by the show also, yeah. uh, other markout moments I have. I was watching. Uh, I saw a clip of Raven's Home, which is a uh, a spinoff of That's So Raven. Mm-hmm. So Raven Simone's character was talking to somebody else and and told them that they were going to that she was going to hit a a uh, drop of four fifty splash on someone, and followed it up with, "You smell what I'm cooking." <laughs> It was unexpected to hear Raven Simone make a wrestling reference for a, a Disney Channel show, so I thought that was pretty funny. I mm. also marked out they they had leaked skins for Fortnite release this week. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair are going to be added to Fortnite soon. That's uh, going to be awesome. I don't know if I'll get them. I do want all the wrestling stuff, but I don't know. I got to see how much they're going to be because I, I really hate spending V-Bucks. I hate spending real money on this game. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, my last, like, mark-out moment, I guess, is, a, I guess, a, somewhat of a long one, perhaps, because the final 
U.S. shows of the first leg of the Eras Tour took place this week in California. And it's crazy that it's been like nine months already that everybody tried to get tickets and Ticketmaster basically screwed so many people. Crazy how time flies. And then fast forward, she announces more U.S. dates and people are still being screwed by Ticketmaster, me included. I could not, I got waitlisted for Miami. So that sucks. But like this tour though, it really further sent her into like legendary status. And like I said, after the first weekend of watching this tour, it literally felt like I was watching a Springsteen concert. And I was Mm -hmm. home on my couch watching it on Twitch, uh, TikTok. And I don't watch every full concert, but I've seen literally every single surprise song that that they've done. All 53 dates I've been watching on TikTok for the surprise songs, at least. Which I know sounds absolutely crazy, but... To me, it's just absolutely just, it's just worth it. Especially if I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to see the concert myself. But on that last night of uh, the tour, she announced 1989 Taylor's version. The only Taylor's version album that actually includes the album title and her name on it, which is weird. I don't quite understand that. Mm-hmm. But it comes out exactly nine years to the day that 1989 comes out. The announcement, I feel like, was like the most Taylor thing possible. It was eight years, nine months, and 13 days since the album itself was released. And she made the announcement on 8-9, <laughs> which is like... It's it's totally, totally crazy, you know? And then and then she uh, she changed the colors of the dresses that she wore in previous eras all, to reflect all blue. the album cover yeah, of 1989, so... And I, I hold 1989 closer than the other albums just because that's the tour that we saw and got to meet her at. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite album. It's a, I think it's a fantastic album, but it allowed us to get that opportunity to meet Taylor Swift. So I'm pumped to hear these new tracks from the vault. I'm, I'm pumped to hear the re-recordings. So, yeah, I agree. But that's the Mark album of the week. Take us home. Thank you for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you once again. Make sure that you check out marknad.com. Follow us and like us over on Instagram, Twitter, over on Facebook, on Twitch, on TikTok. And also make sure you follow us individually. This is episode 653. Buy a t-shirt, slash marking out. And we wish you the best, best of luck, luck in your future, future endeavors. endeavors. Have a fantastic week.